Thank you for downloading from Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Ravi Zacharias and the team at www.rzim.org. Hi, friends. This is Ravi Zacharias. We're coming down to the end of 2019. I always marvel, and I marvel about it because as soon as we put all the decorations away, I say to myself, now we've got a break from all this work and all the celebration we get to work. But here it is now, coming to the end of 2019. It's been an amazing year. It's not been an easy year. Geopolitically, a lot of very significant things have happened, but it's been one of the best years in terms of our opportunities. All the speakers, 90 plus across the globe, will give you incredible reports of what it is that has happened in their lives. Please seek the Lord what he would have you do. Our need is great when we've got this big team placed in many places with numerous opportunities. Some of the places we don't charge when we go, for example, military bases and other countries that can't really afford to have you on their premises but need it very much. Tough places in which to reap a harvest. Will you do your part? Please ask God what he would have you do. We really need generous giving from all of our supporters and we will promise as we give our lives generously to him in his service. May 2020 be a wonderful year for you as we pray the same for us. God bless you. Rene Descartes, I think, therefore I am. And then somebody went one better and said, all I can say is I think, therefore thinking exists. And a third fellow says, no, I can't even say that. All I can say is I think, therefore something exists. And before you know it, you don't even know if you really think. Philosophy has its place, but when overused and abused, it can lead to confusion and danger. Hello and welcome to Let My People Think with author and apologist Ravi Zacharias. Today's message is one Ravi shared more than 25 years ago at a youth event, but the truths presented still ring true today. Though adherence to any one religion continues to decline, a belief in spirituality is actually on the rise, and that's led to the growth of the New Age movement. Here's Ravi as he explains what's fueling that trend and what the New Age system is all about. Comment number one, New Age is the most powerful expression of Western man that pure secularism leads to emptiness. Proposition two, man knows that he needs a transcendent view on things. Man knows that he needs a transcendent view on things. What do I mean by transcendent? Something in which he can rise above himself. Have you ever heard the parable of a group of hippies who were stranded on an island and all of a sudden they saw a bottle floating towards them and they said, aha, here comes a message of rescue. When they opened the bottle, they found out it was a message that they had put into the bottle three weeks ago and it just floated back. And it was a message from themselves to themselves. One of the reasons secular rock music produces such despair is because it is a message from themselves to themselves. 
And man is desperately looking for the ability to rise above himself. Now, please notice that these are all pertinent comments. Christianity recognizes this. We realize we need to rise above ourselves. But in the Christian theme, I'll show you how man does not need to be transcendent. All he needs to be is semi-transcendent in order to come to some proper conclusions. Proposition three, man recognizes the necessity of a moral order and spiritual sustenance. See, it is impossible to live without a moral law. It is unlivable, just plainly unlivable. And that's why he recognizes the necessity of a moral order and spiritual sustenance. Number four, he finds Christianity too costly and threatening away. And you as a Christian and I as a Christian need to be honest about that. There are many things in my Christian life that I find enormously demanding of myself. And it's a struggle. And the secular man says it's too costly, too much of an absolute way to be committed to. Proposition number five, new age is a way for him to have his spiritual cake and live his physical fulfillment too. New age is a way to have his spiritual cake and live out his physical fulfillment too. And you'll see how I will sustain these propositions. As I studied the whole subject, I put these five propositions together this morning. And I think they pretty much summarize the direction in which new age can be demonstrated. Now let us move to Roman numeral one, definitions of new age. Definitions of new age. When you go back to philosophy years ago, you remember the philosophy of men like Rene Descartes. He's the one who said, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. And his philosophy of rationalism, what Descartes was really looking for is what is called rational certainty. Now people forget that Descartes was a, was a theist. Immanuel Kant was a theist, but these men were looking for what is called rational certainty. Now we sometimes misunderstand rational certainty to think that these fellows therefore thought that the senses were uh, completely undependable. That's not what they really said. They did say the senses can be deceptive, but Rene Descartes, I think therefore I am. And then somebody went one better and said, all I can say is I think therefore thinking exists. And a third fellow says, no, I can't even say that. All I can say is I think therefore something exists. And before you know it, you don't even know if you really think. And you can see this kind of problem in philosophy. Philosophers can become doodlers with words. Have you ever noticed how big their books are on meaninglessness? You know, you can write page and page and page and page after page on the meaninglessness of everything. And all you need to ask the author is if the book was meaningful. But they were looking years ago for rational certainty. Now, the indubitable nature of the mind, what can I be certain about? And the more they pursued this, the more they found out there was very little you could be absolutely certain about. The American Constitution talks about truths that are self-evident. You know where that term comes from? Right here. They are beyond debate. But now we find out they're not beyond debate. That's why Lord Macaulay years ago said, he said, the Constitution is so powerful and it's excellent and I love it. But down the road, they will find out it is all sail and no anchor. Very interesting critique. Because the only anchor you can ultimately find is in God. Otherwise, you're blown about by the wind of the next Supreme Court judge. 
Rational certainty led to despair. Rational certainty, the pursuit of rational certainty led to despair, all right? In the 60s, what were they doing? They were sitting outside the universities smoking pot. Rationalism had failed. Interestingly enough, the word unity, university, means how to find unity in diversity. Is there one truth that will unify all truths? I was mentioning to an audience. That's where we get the word quintessence from. Because the early philosophers said earth, air, water, fire were the four essences. And somebody said, wait a minute, we're looking for one essence. Where's the fifth essence? Quintessence. The fifth essence. If you look at any American coin, it says a pluribus unum. Out of the diversity, one. Out of the many, one. The pursuit of unity and diversity, they were looking for rational certainty. And what did it do? It led to despair. Now, please follow me now. When rational certainty led to despair, do you know what it gave rise to? Existentialism. And you know what existentialism is? It's the philosophy of living life with a passion for the now. Living life with a passion for the now. Some of the leading voices in existentialism, Jean-Paul Sartre, Albert Camus. It is very fascinating now, and here's my argument to you. Jean-Paul Sartre was an atheist. And he was a leading protagonist of atheism, but gradually he became a Marxist. Why? And there is also evidence now, and it is documented, that on his deathbed he said, my atheistic philosophy has failed me, and maybe there is need to believe in a transcendent being and a god. Jean-Paul Sartre said that. What is happening to this atheist? He realized that he could not escape the weight of a moral law. So how did he decide to deal with morality? Came up with Marxism to deal with the underprivileged and the oppressed of the world. You see what I'm saying? They desperately wanted to hold on to a moral law, but an atheist can't hold on to a moral law. So he came in by the back door of Marxism, which said, we need to take care of our oppression. And so existentialism became the philosophy that was born in the face of the fact that sheer rationalism had failed. If that is true, now you know why the New Age movement was born. Because sheer rational cerebral religion had failed them. Existentialism as a philosophy had failed them. Now they needed a moral law. Marxism is dying in our time. So they've got to smuggle in a transcendent mystical viewpoint in order to retain that passion for the now, but bring in some sense of the transcendent for the future too. Now I have never seen this analyzed in this way, but this is my analysis of it. When rationalism failed, existentialism was born. When cerebral religion failed, mysticism was born. And that's where I see the whole uh, birthplace of the New Age movement. Now, let me give you the definition. And this is not mine. This comes from Elliot Miller. Here's his definition. It is an extremely large, loosely structured network of organizations. It is an extremely large, loosely structured network of organizations and individuals bound together by common values. Bound together by common values. Based in mysticism and monism. I'll define these terms for you. Based in mysticism and monism. The worldview that all is one, in quotes. All is one. Based in mysticism and monism, the worldview that all is one. 
and a common vision and a common vision of a coming new age of peace and mass enlightenment, the age of Aquarius. One of the best books by a new ager is Mark Satin's book, New Age Politics. It's worth buying the book if for no other reason, his bibliography, annotated bibliography at the end, which critiques 265 uh, new age publications. And uh, it's an outstanding treatment and coming from the defensive viewpoint, he does, a, he does a very excellent job. Some of his philosophical arguments are absolutely shoddy, but uh, the basic idea that he's presenting as a new ager is, is well presented. So that is it. So look at the terms again now. We've got the term of network, organization, individual, bound together, common values. Do you know who was the first man to use the word values instead of morality? Nature. See how his ghost haunts the 20th century? We can't run from him. He's the one who used the word values for the first time because he said man has to be redefined. We've got to revalue that which has no value now. God is dead. And as Malcolm Muggridge said, if God is dead, somebody's going to have to take his place. Either megalomania or erotomania. The drive for power or the drive for pleasure. The clenched fist or the phallus, Hitler or Hugh Hefner. And you remember the old series of quips in the 1960s? God was dead, Time Magazine cover. 1970s, Marx was dead, Time Magazine cover. 1980s, a college fellow quipped, if God is dead and Marx is dead, I'm not feeling too well myself. Because <laughs> all of a sudden, where am I gonna get my value from? God said from above, Marx said from below, both of them are dead. Now I've got to revalue myself starting from scratch. So you see, it's an it's a organization. It comprises of individuals. They've got commonly bound values in mysticism and monism. Monism is the philosophy that says all is one. And it comes from the very word monos, meaning one. You remember the old story of the Indian sage? where they took the seed or he, the, the, the young boy comes to the master and says, what is my essence? And the master says, what do you see? He says, a tree. He says, what do you see on the tree? He says, I see fruit. Bring me a fruit. What do you see in the fruit? I see pulp. What do you see in the center of the pulp? I see the seed. Break open the seed. What do you see in that? Nothing. Tat tvam asi. Out of the essence of that nothing, this tree came into being. Thou art that out of the essence of nothing, as it were. There's a oneness you share with the universe now. So monism meanings, means one reality. Pantheism means that one reality is divine. So when you talk about pantheistic monism, you're talking about the fact that everything that exists is one. There is no I and you. That's why a true monist should not pray. Because the moment a monist prays, he's talking about someone else other than himself. That's why in monism, they meditate, it's a capital I. You look, it's navel gazing. You keep looking inward and inward and inward as it were, till you find that ultimate relief in that transcendent union with the divine. So that is the basic definition of uh, New Age. You notice how careful he has been. He has called it a loosely structured network. Please remember when existentialism was born, it did not want to be systematized. Jean-Paul Sartre said, don't put me into a box. My whole philosophy is the whole philosophy of my doing what I want to do. Don't try to systematize my teaching. So New Age is trying to do the same thing right now, saying don't put us into a box. Give them time, they will be in a box. 
see the, the, the trend ultimately towards systematization will be absolutely, it's an, it's an irresistible draw towards systematization. Now, let me give you one or two other ideas here of a definitive value here. Their, their common values in their definition can be seen as three. I'll give you three common values that they have referred to here. And by the way, I want you to know that New Age possibly has one of the strongest scientific arguments ever given to a Christian. And that's the linchpin of their argument. I want to get to that. So even if it looks frothy now, hang on. There is something about the New Age scientific worldview that is very, very tough for the Christian to answer. That's why in the major universities of the world, fellows like Fritzhoff Kapra and many of the others are avowed New Agers because they, have you seen Kapra's book, The Tao of Physics? Go into any university in North America or any university in Europe, you'll see Kapra's book on the shelf. This great physicist who's giving it some scientific strength there. But there are three values that they hold to here. A is the consciousness movement. The consciousness movement as a way of expanding human possibilities. So they're getting into the mind. Number two, the holistic movement towards nature, ecology, and some of the other concomitant ideas. The holistic, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. The holistic movement, nature, ecology, and so on. When I used to, I used to take my run every morning right along the Cam River near some of the great colleges and so on and go by in Cambridge. I loved it there. The outside is so pretty. Cambridge is like a garden. But I noticed as I'd run past many of the houses, there'd be slogans like this, ban animal killing. Ban fur, this thing. Ban this, ban that. It was, there was a very acidic uh, antagonism towards anything that threatened ecology or the animal world. And as I walked by, so I ran by these windows seeing so much concern for the animal world and many other things being violated at the same time. I came home for breakfast that morning and I said to Margie, my wife, I said, I have finally seen what Romans 1 means in our day. We have become worshippers of the creature and four-footed beasts and we have forgotten the dignity and the, and the essence of man. We have become so involved in this stress towards holism, which has good aspects to it, but carried to a, a limit, has a, a distorting view of life. C is the human potential. A, the consciousness movement. B, the holistic movement. And C, the human potential, energy channeling, and so on. These we will get to, provided we have time. Now, those are the three values, a loosely knit organization. And although it is not formally systematized, I believe it very soon will be, because it cannot survive otherwise as normal systems inexorably go. I want to move to the next, which is what I call their sociological starting points. Their sociological starting points. Mark Satin describes it in what he calls a six-sided prison. He says, man lives in a six-sided prison. When you're dealing with origin, condition, salvation, and destiny, always bear in mind that every religion has to explain these four aspects and remain consistent when the answer is finished. Where do I come from? Why am I the way I am? How do I change myself? And where do I ultimately go? So the New Age movement, in terms of the origin, in the terms of condition, describes man as being part of a six-sided prison. Prison number one, he says, there are patriarchal attitudes in life. Very interesting, because I think they have such a valid point here. But what is the answer to this? 
the answer to this has been a ragged, rugged, vitriolic feminist movement. When they use the term patriarch, they literally mean a male-dominated society. When I was uh, taking that course in philosophy by the English philosopher who is an atheist and an Anglican clergyman, Don Cupid, uh, it's true. Ask an average Englishman, he'll tell you who Don Cupid is. He had a BBC series called The Sea of Faith and which he's talked about the faith of in God has been battered by time. It cannot survive the philosophical mindset anymore. Here's an Anglican clergyman, the dean of Emmanuel College, teaching at Cambridge University, an atheist. One of his best known books is called Taking Leave of God. And you know what he said one day? He said, all religions claim to be theology, but they're actually sociology. If you want to know what a people's religion is, find out what their social values are. They take their social values and then build it into a religious system. He says, why do you think all the religions around are male dominated? They've got male gods because in our society we are male dominated. So we've created male gods. And you know, it was very hard to ask questions out there, especially as a, what they called you a visiting scholar type of thing. You wanted to be courteous. So one day I put my hand up. I said, are you making this as a blanket statement? That wherever there is a male-dominated society, there, were, there, there will be a religion that is male-dominated? He said, yes. I said, how do you explain Hinduism? I said, do you know in Hinduism that the channeling of divine powers has always been matrilineal? It comes to the woman, Shakti. He said, we've got a problem then, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, you've got a problem. Because if the divine powers come matrilineally, into a patriarchal society, what do we got? Sociology or theology now? You see, but this is, what, this is what New Age is doing as a starting point. We've got a male-dominated society. There's been an obliteration of the role of the woman. And ladies and gentlemen, the tragedy is in many parts of the world, that's precisely what has happened. And so you see, the part, partial truth is brought in. But the first prison is patriarchal attitude. Second prison, egocentricity or egocentricity, the will, selfishness, selfishness, false pride, and so on. You've got to practice Zen, you've got to practice yoga, you've got to practice meditation so that you can get out of egocentricity. Have you seen the countries where they've practiced these? <laughs> they've become the classical illustrations of exploitation of certain peoples. Hey, Hinduism, the caste system. Where, go to countries where Zen is practiced. Tell me whether they've been rescued from egocentricity. Number three, scientific single vision. That means we've got to be rescued from only looking at this world scientifically. I agree with them. But I think their deductions are not correct on where they go from there. That does not mean there ought to be no point of truth verification. Number four, the bureaucratic mentality where man has become depersonalized, the bureaucratic mentality in our countries. Number five, nationalism. Now, they do not mean the same as patriotism. They are for patriotism, but they're saying nationalism is that which builds your entire structure on the fact of what nation you come from as a national, and you disregard any other national's needs. Number six, the big city outlook. 
the big city outlook, air pollution, noise pollution, isolation, lack of privacy, rootlessness, anonymity, overcrowding, crime, stress, hustle, mental illness, higher death rate, materialism, communication overload, skyrocketing costs, fragmentation, ad nauseum, on and on and on and on and on. The big city mentality. These are the six prisons from which New Age has its starting point. We have to end today's programme there, but tune in next week for the continuation of this message titled The New Age. And if you'd like to purchase a complete copy of the message, call us at 1-800-448-6766. Or you can order online at rzim.org or rzim.ca for those listening in Canada. Hi friends, my name is Carson Whitenauer and I'm excited to share about RZIM Connect with you. RZIM Connect is the online home for the global RZIM family. When new members join, they repeatedly say they are excited to meet like-minded people, enjoy great conversations, and grow in their faith. But as one regular member recently shared with a new member, I think you'll find Connect offers you more than you could have ever asked for. For instance, RZIM Connect is the only way that anyone from anywhere in the world can ask nearly all of the global RZIM speaking team their hardest and most heartfelt questions about Christianity and evangelism. We have over 30 members of our team committed to answering your questions for a week at a time throughout the year. And you can ask them questions from your home, at work, while you're on the subway, we're bringing our team to you, wherever you are, through RZIM Connect. And did you know that it is completely free? You've given so much to RZIM over the years. Building this community is our gift to you. Signing up is easy and should take less than a minute. Go to rzimconnect.org today, sign up, and introduce yourself. That's rzimconnect.org. We'll see you soon. Your financial support allows us to provide resources like this radio program free of charge. And we want to thank you for supporting our ministry, not just with your charitable gifts, but with your prayers as well. Be sure to visit our website for more free resources. And there you can also find out more about RZIM, including upcoming events and conferences. Or you can write to us at RZIM PO Box 1820, Roswell, Georgia 30077. Let My People Think is a listener-supported radio ministry and is furnished by Ravi Zacharias International Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia.